Well, if you were in Bible class today, which I hope you were, you've already looked at our passage for today, Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to make one more run through it, and I want to ask you to at least, well, make two points. I'm going to try to bring two things out of this passage that you may have already talked about and maybe not. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the Word of God, Ephesians chapter 2. Paul writes, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdoms of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, you meet someone and you begin to get to know them and somewhere along the way you might find out something about them that you would have never dreamed had happened. Uh, Sometimes that can be really something good. Uh, This morning, John and Carol Smith were with us in early service and I pointed out that I enjoy watching people get to know John. You know, you meet John and he is a great guy, obviously a good Christian man, a loving husband and course, he gave us Trey Smith as well. And, and, uh, anyway, I was talking about good things, but no, okay. But then I like to watch people find out that John Smith is Top Gun. You know, John Smith was the Navy pilot that established the Top Gun school. He was the one they made the movie about. He was the one that would fly the planes and everybody would chase him and all of that. And they're just like, whoa, I never would have thought that. That's really cool to get to know something that neat about someone that we know. Other times you find out things about people that you would have never dreamed, but it's in a different way. Uh, I knew a a young man in East Texas uh, that was just the paragon of being the successful executive. I mean, he was, uh, uh, I was having lunch with him and he sat there, he had his starched white shirt on, even in the middle of the week, and his tie and his nice uh, suit that, um, I was trying to think of a nice name, I don't even know it. Armani suit, yeah, I don't know what kind of suits he bought, but they they were nice. Anyway, he was sitting there and talking to him, and he was a wonderful Christian man, was a leader in the church and all, and 
that day we were talking and he said, well, you know, I grew up in South San Antonio and was a member of a gang. And my mouth just woke like that. So you were a member of a gang? He started telling me about some of the things he had gotten involved in, some of the things he had been arrested for. And I was like, I would have never guessed. You know, some of us have pasts like that, that we don't really want anyone else much to know about. Well, the point of this passage that we read is that we all have pasts. And then another point is that basically our pasts are the same. Let's run through this passage again and see what Paul is talking about. The first word in chapter 2 is you. And Paul divides his readers into two groups, you and us. Actually, he had already done this in the first chapter. It's not quite as blatant as it is in the second chapter. But he sees his readers as coming from basically two different groups. There's the you and there's the us. Now, by the you, he's talking to people who grew up as Gentiles, but now had become Christians. And they had a very distinct past. When they grew up as Gentiles, worshiping pagan gods, they grew up trying to serve gods who were way off distant and who were really disconnected with what was going on on the earth and really didn't care much about what was going on on the earth. And the reason you went and worshiped these gods in these pagan temples was to buy them off. You know, you gave them sacrifices, you did things they wanted you to do, so basically they would leave you alone and wouldn't cause you any trouble in your life. Now, you might actually try to get a favor out of them, but primarily what you were concerned about is that you went and you did what the gods wanted you to do so that they wouldn't cause you any trouble. They didn't really care, these gods, about your behavior and what else you did in your life. If you wanted to talk about behavior and ethics and morals, then you went to the philosophers such as Plato and Aristotle, and they told you how to live your life so that your life would be full and rich and enjoyable. But the gods, they were just kind of off over there and kind of capricious and You just tried to basically keep them happy with you so they would leave you alone. Now, those were the you people that Paul was talking to. The us people were those who had grown up Jewish and had become Christians. And the reason they're the us is because Paul was one of those, right? Paul is a part of the us Paul talks about, now we grow up, grew up knowing God. We grew up knowing the true God. We grew up knowing the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We grew up knowing that God does love us and that it's possible to have a relationship with him. We grew up knowing that God does care about what we do with ourselves, that our morals and our ethics are entwined with who we are and who God is, and all of that is together. Now, so he's talking to the you people, he's talking to the us people, but the point he wants to make, and the point he does make, (laughs) is that we all end up 
in the same place. To you, you people who have passed where you did not honor God as God. He points out that you may have thought you were just doing things the way the world does them, but without knowing it, you are actually falling right into the trap of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, one that we would identify as Satan or the personification of evil itself. Even though you were just living your life the best you could, Not knowing God, but following in with what Satan wanted you to do, you ended up dead. And you people who grew up knowing God, you people who grew up all your life, you can't remember not knowing about God. Not knowing that God loves you, that he cares for you, that you always knew that. Well, guess what? Even though you knew it, You didn't follow it completely. Even though you knew who God was, oftentimes you went off and did what you wanted to do as well. And therefore, you ended up in the same place, dead. And this is the point he's making here at the first. You may have gotten to this destination different ways. But no matter which way you got there, by just throwing yourself out there and doing whatever you wanted to do and you have a past that you would be ashamed to tell people of, or if you've lived a fairly good life and you've always known who God was and you always tried to do things in a fairly respectable way, guess what? You all have ended up dead. Now, that's a marvelous point to make. One, it's a great point of hope for people who come to know God late in life And they worry that, well, I've done so much in my life, you know, what could I ever do about that? But it's also a point of great humility for people who, though they knew God all their life and have been a part or connected some way with God's people all their life, to realize that of their own efforts, they've ended up in the same place. We're all in this boat together. As Paul said in Romans All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So I said I had two points. One is that no matter what our root was, we've ended up dead. Point two is, well, well, let's let Paul tell us. After he makes this first point where he says, let me read verse 3. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. And then Paul throws out one little word that changes everything. Now, Paul probably dictated his letters. I'm not sure. Do we know who was writing this one down? We don't have the name of the writer, do we? But he dictated his letters, and as he got to this point, and he said that it didn't matter what road you've traveled, you've ended up in the same place, place, objects of God's wrath, you are dead. Then he threw out one little word, a two-letter word in his language, D and E, de. And that word changes everything. In our language, it becomes three letters, and the word is but. But. This is the way things are. 
But, now that word changes direction. It's kind of like, you know, when someone gives you a compliment and tells you how wonderful things are. Boy, you look really good today. But, <laughs> Elizabeth O'Brien's a teacher. She just said, that, don't you love it? You used to turn papers in. Your teacher said, oh, this is a wonderful paper. A lot of good ideas. But, <laughs> and you know, uh-oh, this is going in a different way. However, we've ended up dead. No matter what road we took, that's where we got. But God. Paul wants to tell us something about God. And he starts describing God with words like grace and mercy. Rich in mercy. Great in love. Three times. Grace. Grace, grace, and kindness. He wants to change our perception of who God is. That God is not that being who wants to judge. God is not that being that doesn't care that we've died. But God is the one who loves us beyond what anyone else loves us or how anyone else loves us or as much as anyone else could ever love us. Therefore, point two that he's going to make is that God would not leave us dead. Even though we wandered off, we went there, whichever path we took, we got to the same place. And the second point that he makes is that the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, he will now put to work in our lives to raise us from the dead as well. He began this over in chapter 1 where he said that it is the, he wanted the, the, the Ephesians to know the immeasurable greatness of his power that is already at work within us. And now he's becoming more graphic what that work is. God raised Jesus from the dead. Guess what? You're dead too. Guess what? His same power can raise you as well. That even though you have left him, even though your life has fallen apart, even if your life has sort of ground to a halt, even if you're kind of wondering, what is my life anyway? God has the power. Just as he took Jesus who lay in a tomb dead to raise him from the dead to live again forever, he says, we have been made alive together with Christ. The same power that he used to raise him from the dead, he will raise our souls, he will raise our spirits, he will put our lives back on track again. He will cause us to live not only in this age, as he says in the, script, the scripture, but in the ages to come. No wonder he says, by grace, you have been saved through faith. There was nothing you could do about it. You were dead. What can a dead person do about his or her situation? But God, God proved himself that he has the power to raise the dead. He put that power to work when he raised Jesus from the dead. You must have the faith that no matter if your life seems over now, no matter what route you took to get to where you are, that God's power can raise you and place you. Isn't it marvelous? He says, in a way, we have already been seated beside Jesus at the right hand of God. That's how much God loves us. That's how much his power is at work within us. And he has things for us to do. I love the last verse of this passage. 
For we are what he has made us. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. What a comfort it is to know that whatever our past is, that we have a future, we have a present, and God has work for us to do. It's amazing as you read through Scripture to find out some of the people that God was able to put to use to bless the lives of others. Isn't it wonderful to know that he has plans for you to bless the lives of others? And no matter what the events that were in your life that brought you to now, he's got things for you to do, and he's given you the power to do them, the same power that was at work in the raising of Jesus from the dead. This is the invitation to come to him, to come and to embrace him, and no matter how you're feeling and who you are right now, to say, but God, and to let him work in your life. Let's stand and sing together.